0: This podcast is sponsored by the Primal Blueprint Expert Certification. Want to become an authority in the ancestral health community? Join the ranks of today's top experts in paleo and primal living by completing the Primal Blueprint Expert Certification, the world's premier program in primal lifestyle principles. Start today for only a dollar down by visiting primalblueprint.com slash Available at PrimalBlueprint.com Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Welcome listeners, it's host Brad Kearns here with a guest by the name of Christopher Walker who's going to talk about optimizing your testosterone levels naturally. How are you doing, Christopher?
1: I'm doing great, Brad. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Um, So it turns out we go way back since you were an old-time triathlon guy and wrote me an email, said that you've uh, read my books from back in the old days. So I was surprised that um, anyone could remember that far back. But um, you have an interesting story that led you to where you are today, promoting these natural ways to optimize testosterone um, that included some setbacks possibly driven by um, your extreme training regimen, and I think it's things that uh, a lot of males can relate to. So, why don't we start there with your background and how you got to got to today's point with your Test Shock program?
1: Yeah, totally. I I kind of uh, fell into it honestly. If if you asked me a few years back, I I would have never thought I was I'd be teaching guys how to naturally enhance their testosterone. It 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 kind of uh, slowly over time turned into what it is now. And uh, to go rewind back to I was, when I was nineteen. Um, i had I w- was diagnosed with a pituitary tumor, and uh, that tumor basically acted as a like a rock in a funnel um, in terms of uh, for those who are unfamiliar with the pituitary gland in your brain it 's really the the seat of your endocrine system, so uh, it communicates with your body you know your, like your, your testes for example in this your liver or whatever um, your testes to, to uh, it 'll send precursor hormones to uh, signal the release of testosterone and it's kind of, you know, it's like the control center basically of this whole operation. So what was going on with the tumor is it was blocking the secretion of a lot of these uh, precursor hormones. So my body couldn't actually uh, produce testosterone and I I, uh, didn't realize it at first. It took a while Um, and it took a lot of like personal responsibility. I think that was one of the biggest things I learned in terms of I I couldn't, I, I was learning how to not, uh, to how to not like let other people dictate my health, yeah and uh especially you know in just traditional medical uh dogma and the way that they approach um treatment for this kind of stuff, it was the treatments that they gave me the options they gave me were I could either go on hormone replacement therapy um, or I could get surgery, and uh, neither of which seemed like a good idea to me um <laughs> I had a I had a friend in college with a similar tumor and, and uh, had surgery had, had it removed and uh, kind of tweaked uh, their personality a little bit and it just wasn't that scared me. Wow. Um, and so yeah, because it's it's pretty invasive, you know. You got to go through the nose. You got to uh, – the pituitary is right at the bottom of the brain, right like right in the seat in the middle of the brain. Um, so and then the hormone replacement therapy just logically didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I know a lot of people use it. I, I personally know tons of people who. Use it, and I know it's extremely widely or widely prescribed, but um, uh, I, it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, I need to, if because my test- testosterone levels came back, read uh, the, the uh, blood test came back at 11 nanograms per deciliter. That's a for,
0: serum testosterone,
1: yeah, serum total. Yeah, yeah.
0: so you're looking at um, a lot of times the normal range is going from 200 to a thousand or so for people of your age, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, it, yeah, like probably like four hundred, 500.
0: Yeah. Still that's, uh, that's, ridiculous, yeah. man.
1: Dude, it was nothing. It was like,
0: so heck. how was it affecting your, your life, your symptoms? I mean, were you lethargic and all those kind of things?
1: Yeah, it, it actually, um, was, was super severe. And, um, like I said, I didn't even know this was the issue until I had, I had to take a year off of college on wow. medical leave. And yeah. I just had like all these problems and I had no idea why I had these problems. Um, and it was it was extremely frustrating. Like I had super severe depression, uh, a lot of anxiety, like the kind of anxiety you just can't get rid of. Like, you know, it's like you're always on edge. Uh, you don't know why. You're looking around at your life. You're like, everything's good. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Um, just kind of like unexplainable. Um, insomnia problems, like barely sleep, which also just kind of fed the cycle. Um, the uh, I started experiencing hormonal um, uh, like weight gain swings, which was really weird. And that, that freaked me out. Because <laughs> that would like you know, at first I lost a ton of weight, got extremely skinny, couldn't really mm-hmm. put on any muscle mass at all. I would you know, I would go to the gym and lift and try and try and do it, but couldn't put on any muscle mass. Uh and then there was a point where it just something triggered, and this is how powerful hormones are, and like I gained I gained fifty pounds over the course of like eight weeks, and a lot you know, a lot of it was it was water for sure. But then I also like out of nowhere got this insane appetite and like insatiable appetite. It was, it was, uh, pretty disconcerting. So there was a lot
0: of, now were you dis- taking anything at this point or is this all just happening randomly?
1: Uh, randomly I wasn't, oh, taking. Mercy. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't on any kind of stuff. Right. Um, so that's why all this stuff happening. My, my, uh, and my motivation was low. I hadn't had, uh, any sex drive in like two years. Um, it was just weird. You know, I'm, I'm like 19, 20 years old. So at that at that point, so um, I just ended up getting, uh, going on medical leave uh, from college and uh, went back to my parents' house for that year. And uh, that's when I kind of went on that journey of figuring it out myself because the doctors didn't really give me many options. They were like, here, take pharmaceuticals or have surgery, wow. and, um, which, you know, it, it's, I'm not expecting them to like feel that responsibility. It's my responsibility to figure it out so um i uh did a lot of research i started taking it into my own hands i actually was was at Duke for uh to study neuroscience like i switch i was pre med i want to be a surgeon um but the uh I switched to neuroscience because I was like, oh the, you know if I do this, then I'll be able to figure it out on my own and um and over the next course of like- eight, about eighteen months of like real effort on it um i I did figure it out. <laughs> And it, and it turned out it wasn't that crazy. Um, it wasn't anything like revolutionary. Hmm. Um, and uh, I, my doctors were kind of freaking out. And it was a risk, but I was I was young and had had some balls in terms of like I didn't want to take any sort of drugs or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and just through the entire process, um, the the tumor, like the effects of it, just kind of dissipated. Through the process of all the things – and I can, I can share a lot of this stuff um, here in a few minutes. Uh, but the, uh, the physical – because the endocrine system works on feedback loops basically. So you can – if you feed it into the right feedback loops uh, the right way, your body will start to, to uh, be able to you know, produce stuff that it couldn't before. Um, so I was starting to learn how to manipulate my training and my nutrition and my lifestyle uh, to feed into my endocrine system in the correct way. And, uh, you know, I was looking at research. I had a lot of resources when I went back to school. And, uh, you know, it kind of became something that I was hell-bent on figuring out. And uh, there was all this research there. there were a lot of, uh, you know, I had a lot of great professors. Um, it was just something that was, you know, by the grace of God, I was in the right place. And, um, it, you know, I had the right motivation there. And it took, it took about 18 months to go from 11 nanograms per deciliter to uh, just under 1,200 nanograms per deciliter. <laughs>
0: So that's yep. over the normal limit. That's sky high. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's where, really, because I, I was starting to figure out like, what was working for my body in terms of these feedback loops. And the more you feedback into it, you know, the more you do the right thing, it's going to compound and, and go up there. And I've had clients since then, people who've read my program and, and followed the advice, um, you know, get up consistently. People Guys will get over 1,000 nanograms per deciliter. It's just something, especially if they're in their 20s and early 30s, um, and doing the right stuff, you know, and it's not, it's not rocket science either. It's, it's pretty straightforward stuff. Um, but there were some decisions I had to make that, um, you know, a lot of it's psychology in terms of, of like the uh, motivations and what you're willing to do to, to get what you want. And we were, you know, we were just actually just talking before, before we hit record in terms of, um, one of the things I was really into before was, uh, racing triathlon. So, um, and I think a lot of people – I know a lot of people can identify with this scenario because uh, you know, I know a lot of triathletes. And I know that when, when I was uh, racing and training a lot, you know, you can go out and have training days like three to six hours a day mm-hmm. uh, and do these huge weeks and stuff, a lot of mileage. And, and what's going on is over time, you're chronically elevating your cortisol. And when I figure that out, you know, the amount of stress on your body, it's hard to, to uh, mitigate that stress effectively when it's consistent like that
0: so cortisol is the primary stress hormone has a lot of uh beneficial effects in the body it's it's the component or the essence of the fight or flight response so it allows you to perform at a high level but when the production is chronic what happens is um you know it's it's a delicate mechanism in the body and it antagonizes testosterone so it's kind of uh getting you to deliver a peak performance in the moment but at the expense of long-term, you know, anabolic and building and being in balance hormonally. So I guess you're blaming, um, you're attributing that extreme metabolic problem there with the low testosterone to, I guess, the tumor and also the chronic training patterns.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I really believe life is just there's a, like you got to look at stuff in context. There's never really one thing that that does it. Um, but I know I figured out that that. The training wasn't helping, um, and I wanted my training to be helping. So even if it wasn't the sole cause, which it definitely wasn't, the tumor was there as well. I also was eating, you know incorrectly for the production that I wanted. And
0: Top ramen, the um, uh, whole college <laughs> thing with pizza beer, top ramen, and: Yeah, totally yeah. Uh, yeah. chocolate chip cookies.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the, all the tasty stuff. So tasty and cheap.
0: you were trying to train, you were trying to be competitive in triathlons while you were suffering from this condition?
1: Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I think it, um, I, before I had a really, uh, extreme personality, I think uh, growing up too, uh, it was, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who like, if I want to do something, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. Um, and for some reason I got that B in my bonnet in terms of I wanted to be super fast in triathlon, and I thought it was like super cool and very extreme and something that set me apart from other people and um, all these different things, and, and that became a just a pursuit that I went after, um, probably at a very inopportune time, but um, mm-hmm. it was just something I just fell in love with. I really liked it.
0: So this is during college where you're dealing with assorted other stressors like staying up late and... Um, having that less than optimal diet. I remember in my college years trying to get into triathlon. It was a little difficult when no one went to bed before two a.m. for me <laughs> yeah. to get up and put in, you know, go to the morning swim workout or whatever it was. That was a challenge, man.
1: Yeah, and, and maintain any kind of social life. You know, the uh, unless you're on, you know, on a swim team or track team or something, it's it's pretty difficult to have that that balance there. Um, but like I said, I was pretty extreme. I didn't really. I was like. For some reason, I really wanted to do it, but um, it my body was under a lot of stress. Right, it wasn't, right. I, I was not healthy. That's for sure.
0: So then, when you started turning it around, uh, when you declined surgery and hormone replacement, uh, what did you do? What was the secret, man?
1: Okay, so so um, they uh, what the first thing is was I, I decided to. I stopped thinking this is psychological. I, I started to uh, like purposefully tell myself to be patient with things because I, wow. I realized that this, yeah, it was kind of, and I'm really glad I did it this way because I, um, I don't think it would have been effective otherwise, like any amount of stuff. I started to realize these patterns that I was having and then going into forums and see, reading other people's stories on things. And um, people aren't patient. People don't, they they don't realize that, that it takes time to get anything, um, significant any any kind of significant results in anything. I started to realize this and see it in myself that I wanted everything yesterday, you know, and it, it, uh, I was also noticing these cycles that I was falling into where I would abandon pursuits. I, I was feeling like I, I could set goals and, and, uh, anything that was outside my natural level of talent that required a huge amount of work. Um, I would abandon it quickly and then beat myself up about it. So, um, that was the big first step. I was like, I got to not do this anymore. And this is super important to me. This is like a a real medical thing. And, um, it's affecting my life in a huge way. If I'm going to get better, the endocrine system is not something that is going to change overnight, especially if I've been taking a few years of like, it's been undergoing some pounding, um, physically and just, you know, from a you know, medical standpoint. So, um, I just decided to be patient, and with that, I said, um, and that's one of those things you got to kind of reaffirm every day, um, for the at least for the first few months, you know, um, and remind yourself of it. But uh, one of the first things I did in that sense was um, start from square one. I said, what well, can I strip away? What can I? How can I make this like a minimalist pursuit, and only add complexity when it needs to be there? So I stripped away. Uh, you know, my training, I, I stopped immediately, uh, when, when I made this decision, I was like, okay, um, triathlon is not necessarily something that I can do in a state of balance. Right. Uh, as a, just as me, you know, I, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to try and win. I'm going to try and be the fastest person. And that means I'm going to be training a lot. So I can't do that in a state of balance. So I can't do it at all right now. You know, wow. maybe I'll do it later, but it's just not healthy. Um, so that was one thing. Another thing was I stopped um, focusing on on different kind of diets. Like I stopped because a lot of people have these natural this natural tendency to like go and pursue some kind of extreme diet right. in, in, in hopes that it will give you these quick results that you're looking for. Um, and I'd been doing a lot of reading over that, that year as I was learning about my health and, and um, gravitating toward all sorts of different things. Um, you, you know, you should just see it everywhere. So uh, I decided that I was going to, Pursue the balance, and following some kind of very strict or unsustainable diet was not something that was going to help me, because I needed a a, a mix of uh, all the macronutrients, and I needed a mix of you know healthy levels of all micronutrients, and it logically didn't make sense to to uh, omit certain things, <clears throat> you know, over the long term for me. Um, I noticed if I ever went super super low carb. Uh, then I would swing back into um, binge eating if i if I went low fat, I would swing back into you know binge eating again or on something you know with a lot of fat. so uh, you know whatever you know there's all these theories and philosophies on the perfect diet but but my uh, decision was to pursue the balance and to pursue and actually the primal blueprint was a huge um, influence on this was uh, real food. And again, I was trying to work out of a place of logic and not emotion on this stuff. And it was like, it's very logical to consume high quality food, um, to get, to you know, to get the, my micronutrients from my food, from my, you know, from my steak and from, uh, just some, some good meat or whatever good vegetables that I'm eating and not buying crappy food and, um, just getting the best stuff I can get, but not being real strict on it and kind of hitting that 80, 20 with it, um, just naturally hitting the 80-20, not necessarily like counting. Like, oh, I've already hit my 80%. I'm going to go binge on the 20. Right. Uh, but taking the balance, taking the psychological, non-extreme approach. Um, and these these were just, I guess, the building blocks. Because I think if you're trying to make any sort of really significant change in your life, uh, you got to set up a good foundation. It's like, it's like building a building, a skyscraper. Um, so these, it's like principles. you got to operate on these principles. Uh, to get somewhere, so that was where I started
0: um, Wow, this is pretty profound, man. I mean, uh, maybe the listeners like I were expecting to hear uh, all these hot secret tips like I cook up these uh, certain mushrooms from Japan and squeeze oh, them right. into my lemon juice, and I get my testosterone spike, but I think you 're onto to something really important because um, you know the psychology is is such a critical aspect of. Um, hormonal health and well-being. And of course, um, you know, suppressed testosterone can be from many things, but just from the stress of, um, you know, hectic daily life, and perhaps, um, you know, mentalities that are creating more stress, like you, like you explain, like setting an ambitious goal, uh, giving up before you succeed, and then beating yourself up. You know, if you're engaged in a pattern like that, um, that's not going to make you, you know, the man that you deserve to be, so to speak. Oh, exactly.
1: exactly. Okay, so
0: we got your um, first. You adopt some mindset, empowering mindset adjustments, and then you pointed to you know a, a more balanced and wholesome whole foods primal line diet. Uh, what else was part of the mix here?
1: All right, so so uh, let's start with training. So uh, the training turned into it was a big difference. So I uh, you know obviously went from running a lot and swimming and biking uh, and started. Uh, the first thing I did was just walk, just being at Duke for college was I could walk everywhere and there there were they have trails all over the place they have this beautiful forest and uh, you know it just became part of my my daily habits was this uh, rejuvenative uh, walking habit you know this this uh, practice you know so um, that was a big thing at first, and then started to notice I started to notice that a lot of the training um, that was in most of the well-designed research was based around something called neuromuscular training, where the researchers were trying to elicit a uh, as large of a testosterone growth hormone response as possible from uh, you know a certain protocol that that uh, manipulates the connection between your muscles and uh, your nervous system. So, as I started to notice this pattern, and I was like, "Oh, this you know this is interesting." Um, and they were always trying to Uh, get as much work output uh, from uh, your muscles as possible. So what this entailed was doing, uh, you know, a lot, basically displacing a large force, a large, um, yeah, like using a large force to displace a certain amount of weight over a distance uh, in a short period of time. And that, that timing thing is important. Um, So the shorter the period of time, the, you know, the more work, you were able to do like the more uh testosterone output you were able to have uh so i started to notice this and a a lot of uh you know it it, it's a lot of it's, it's kind of common sense at some level in terms of um you know doing uh high intensity training a lot of uh sprinting and stuff where you're activating your muscle volume um but i started to do the do the math in terms of um some calisthenics and street workout, I I became very attracted to to that idea. Uh, And it it seemed very primal as well. It seemed very um, manly to be able to just (laughs) jump up on a pull-up bar and do that stuff.
0: Right. So the key component is to do these maximum output but short duration efforts as opposed to the prolonged uh, moving through all the stations at the gym or, of course, all the triathlon training, which – will cause excessive and prolonged production of cortisol and suppress testosterone. But a short, super intense workout will do the opposite. You'll get that nice testosterone spike. And then because the workout's over, um, you'll get the adaptive effects without the breakdown caused by the excessive production of stress hormones.
1: Exactly. And and that's the key too, is um, even with these, and this is a trap a lot of people fall into uh, with the high intensity training, is uh, they overdo it and end up you know, crossing that line, basically, in terms of the cortisol output. So they're doing it every single day of the week. They're doing it for too long. And um, then their body is getting stressed by the fact that they're doing too much of a good thing, basically. Um, so that was another element to it. And that's where, again, uh, you know, I'm, I like to harp on balance. Just in general, uh, you got to approach this kind of thing with a level of balance. And like you said, when the workout's over, it's over. Uh, you're not overdoing it. You're not doing uh, – you're not doing these things too often, you're not working the same uh same stuff every single day, you know. And um when it, with what comes with the high intensity thing is not just something where, you know, you're doing um these workouts until you puke. It's more like how how can I progressively get stronger at these movements? You know, lift more weight, do more comp- complex or uh muscularly straining things. Uh, and it, it, there's a sense of there's got to be a sense of progression, I think. Uh, and I, I really like to, in my own training and what I recommend to other people, um, just focus on that progression and use spreadsheets and, and track uh, lifts that that are you know key things, big compound lifts, uh, key things that are important to you. Um, and uh, especially in like street workout stuff, you can always work. There's always something cooler and better that people are doing. You can always be pushing yourself um, and You know, it's resistance based. It's like, can you, how much resistance can you put on as much muscle volume as possible in a shorter period of time? I guess that's maybe like in a nutshell way to phrase it.
0: Excellent, I love that. I also like that term, street workouts. That's funny. Um, Yeah. And so those, uh, you know, those will adhere to that um, admonition of doing heavy resistance. I mean, a lot of times people associate that just with you know loading up the squat bar or the deadlift bar and doing that. But you said you kind of prefer to do the outdoor, the complex stuff like muscle-ups or, or pull-ups or things that are super challenging. So that's totally yeah. cool as long as the workout's over with quickly, right?
1: Yeah. and it, um, Well, I mean quickly, like generally just under an hour of something, especially with the street workout. The thing with the street workout is in calisthenics and uh, gymnastics, or whatever, it's self-limiting. So it's hard to overdo it mm. because which i I really was attracted to that um with my extreme tendencies, i think so mm-hmm. the uh it's like if you can't do more pull-ups, you can't do more pull-ups right
0: I never thought about that in the term same terms as like you know you're you're the ex triathlete coming into this stuff just like I am, and it's like the bike you can go for thirteen hours on the bike. I've done it many times, yeah. and <laughs> um that'll get you into some real trouble hormonally and otherwise. Uh, but pull ups man it 's when it's over it 's over,
1: yeah, exactly, and even in the weight room uh there are ways to push it to the point of like you 're doing more than you should be doing, you know um you're're you're, and, and you're making up for it with bad form, usually right yeah and, and like getting hurt like hurting your back or something dumb, um but the thing with the calisthenics is yeah, you can't do if if you can't do another muscle up, you can't do another muscle up. Like, good luck trying to trying to do that.
0: Yeah, go so, ahead, use your bad form. See if you can get up there, man. Go exactly. ahead, arch your back. I don't care. Exactly. Yeah, no way. I have to say about muscle ups. I have to admit to the audience that um, the first time I ever saw it was at CrossFit Games. I watched live with Mark last summer, and um, they were doing the muscle up biathlon, where they uh, do um, you know ten muscle ups and then go run around. And I was surprised how slow these guys were running during their the running. You know, they ran a quarter mile and then went back to the muscle-up bar. And Mark's like, have you ever tried a muscle-up? I'm like, no, is it hard? He's like, it's pretty hard. And guess what they had at the expo? They had a little, they had a demo center where you could go ahead and try a muscle-up. So that's when I knew they were, um, that's why I knew they were going so slow, or how I knew they were going so slow on the run.
1: Yeah, I can't even imagine trying to sprint around and do more. Those things... Crush you,
0: <laughs> they crush you, man, <laughs> yeah okay, so next up, probably I'm going to guess, since you hear about it so much uh, in relation to testosterone, is the sleep factor, and how did that go for you?
1: Oh uh, yeah, so sleep, sleep first off is extremely important. Uh, you, you know you hear a lot about it for a reason, um, your body needs that time to rest, and it helps you regulate your, your cortisol, it helps you regulate your growth hormone output, uh, keeps your circadian cycle. Uh, regular and healthy, um, but in terms of my own personal journey on that one, that was one of the harder things that took a lot longer for me to to figure out and not necessarily even figure out, but just like fix. I guess I well, had a lot of insomnia. Yeah.
0: You're in college too, right? For part of this, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so there's the always the attraction of like the social life, um, partying at night and stuff, staying up all night studying, and um. But yeah, that might have played into why it took me so long to, f- to fix that. Um,
0: um, well, also, with that low testosterone, that's kind of a bad cycle because you're going to have trouble sleeping anyway yeah. besides all the environmental factors that are messing with your sleep. Exactly. So how did you fix that um, in college? And then after college, you went to New York City, which is not a sleep haven either, right? Yeah,
1: no, I, I'm still having sleeping issues um, after college. Uh, I would still, there would be periods of time where I would I I wouldn't be able to fall asleep until like 4 a.m. and I'll just lay there but that was kind of the key to helping me was I was always at first I was always like well I'm not sleeping I might as well just get up and like go do something and um, that never led anywhere good Um, (laughs) it it didn't no matter what happened like I would never get into something that was helpful Um, even if it was just sitting and playing video games all night or Or going out again, or whatever. But um, I started to just lay in bed, and that was that was like the choice. It was like I'm even if I'm not sleeping, if I don't feel like I'm sleeping, um, I just lay here because I need to keep my stress down. I need to not even stress about this. I like there's also a choice there. I know I know a lot of people when you just lay in bed and you can't sleep, you start to get stressed out that you can't sleep, Mm -hmm. and you're just you start freaking out and you're like, why am I not sleeping? This is really annoying and, and then you get frustrated but there's also a decision you can make there where you say, I'm not going to get frustrated. This, you know, Something's going on right now um, but I'm going to lay here. I'm going to keep uh, my stress down. I'm not going to uh, get crazy about this and I'm going to give my body this period of time to rest even if I don't feel like I'm sleeping because you could still be in that state of alpha sleep where uh, it's just it's extremely light. Um you don't really necessarily even feel like you're sleeping. You feel like you're conscious. You're having all these ideas and thoughts and that sort of thing. But um you know, you're still resting, you're still uh not walking around in the middle of the night or not going and raiding the fridge or not going and playing video games until five in the morning or whatever. You're still laying in bed. So that was one of the things that I did. And eventually it just kinda I I could sleep and I would just go to sleep. Um but again back to the patients thing, you know, like psychologically you need, need to make that decision to be patient um that, that was just part of the part of the journey
0: yeah that's great you're in there getting rest and you can be content with that and uh, probably trusting that things are going to right themselves over time if you you know are on the great uh exercise and um you know eating paths and so forth so um that's a lot of y you've, you've detailed a lot of steps. I really appreciate how they're kind of off the beaten track, you know. They're not a magic pill or a magic elixir, but just changing your mindset and things like that. And that's what was cool when um, Lily Hart sent that recruiting email touting you as a potential <laughs> guest on the show and how you, you know, you went uh, against the grain and against the normal uh, way to, you know, and, and uh, optimize your hormones and uh, and heal those serious medical problems did you get any did you get any hard times from like the doctors when you refused surgery or drug protocol when you had the tumor and the whole thing
1: definitely it was, it was <laughs> definitely
0: yeah oh boy a little bit
1: uncomfortable at, at times um, but but i i was i was bullheaded i was twenty years old and uh I had I just knew what was right, and sometimes you don't even know why you know something is right, and you just know it. And uh, that was why I just kept pursuing this. Um, I felt confident that I could I could figure it out, and it was something that was in my control. And I was getting very frustrated with uh, the the level of um, care that the doctors. You know, I, I think a lot of people expect uh, physicians to care as much as they do. About their health, but <laughs> if you look at if you look at things and that 's ideal, right, but if you look at it from like a very realistic standpoint, they see hundreds and hundreds of patients a week usually, and um, they they can 't physically care as much as the patient about their stuff. They can care a lot, um, other doctors can care way less, but um, in general, you need to take a you know personal responsibility for it, and I think that was uh, that was a big step for me, not only for this reason and physically and stuff, but also like personally, you know, personal development stuff.
0: Yeah, so what about uh, for the listeners, some actionable steps that we can take to, to optimize testosterone naturally, um, some specifics with the diet. I know that um, we talked a little bit offline about the importance of fat and cholesterol and the things that we've been told to stay away from and that college students might tend to not get enough of.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we can, we can rapid fire through this list. Uh, I've got some here and we can walk through them. Basically uh, dietary fat. These, these are especially uh, pertinent if you're on a diet. Um, So if you're limiting the amount of calories that you're eating, um, these are very important as well because your testosterone will drop uh, if you're restricting too much. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if you can get, if you can get these, if you can address these things uh, during that, that cal- caloric deficit, you can still be able to maintain the hormonal health on the diet so um, first one is yeah, dietary fat don't avoid fats in general i don 't think that 's really a problem with the uh, primal community at all but uh, if you focus on getting your fat sources or your fats from from uh, monounsaturated fats, which you know it's easy to get from avocados and olives and uh, fatty fish uh, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, saturated fat from a you know high quality meat source uh, is usually what I recommend because it also comes with uh, you know some some really good beef is also going to have um, a good amount of, of uh, certain vitamins and minerals that you need as well. So that's that's uh it's uh, it that just makes it efficient. It makes it simple uh, get your fats from those types of sources. Um, the next one, uh, don't avoid cholesterol. Also something I'm not, you know, I don't think the primal community has a, has a problem avoiding cholesterol, uh, but the um, cholesterol is super important. It, it's uh, basically a building block of all the steroid hormones in your body that your body produces, and it's necessary uh, for the leydig cells in your testes to actually produce testosterone in general. Uh, so you, you need to consume a good amount of, of uh, dietary cholesterol. And uh you know, your body knows what to do with it if if you're getting it from good sources, if your vitamin and mineral deficiency if you don't have any vitamin and mineral deficiencies, so that's important too. Uh make sure that uh you you know, it's it's helpful even just once a year to get a like a full vitamin mineral blood analysis, you know, full blood work done so you can see oh I'm I'm B deficient in or uh, like B twelve deficient or whatever, or D D three deficient. And that'll that'll tell you a lot about yourself. Um and that, that helps your, your body handle um, you know, what you get from your diet, too, because all these micronutrients are extremely important in terms of like the inner workings of, of your metabolism, the way you uh, process that energy, the way you digest things, and uh, you know, your gut health, everything, your endocrine system, hormonal output, etc. So um, that's, I guess, like a sub-tip there.
0: Right. So, I mean, hit the eggs hard, and that has a direct application to your production of testosterone.
1: Yeah, I actually went through periods where I was doing these little mini experiments where I'd eat like a dozen eggs a day. I remember reading on uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: not sustainable and eventually you don't want to eat it. You don't even want to look at an egg. Um but after <laughs> after you do that, but uh I remember reading a lot of like the old school bodybuilders, they would they would do you know steak and egg diets and um just intriguing. You know, if you get good ones it, then you know, it's fun to do the little experiments
0: yeah for sure where do um um, where do carbs fall in here with the testosterone
1: yeah so carbs are also very important um carbohydrates are uh you know it's necessary to uh, basically carbs and fats especially from monounsaturated and saturated fats like we discussed are uh, more important to consume for your hormonal health than protein Hmm. and um there, there are a lot of studies on both ends of the spectrum, and um, it's easy for a lot of people. They, they, you know, in general, people cherry pick research. Um, but if you look at the full spectrum of of uh, this research in general on macronutrients and testosterone, uh, what you'll see is um, high carbohydrates, high carbohydrate diets will lead to high testosterone, or yeah. health healthy testosterone, and yeah. high fat diets also lead to High testosterone, but high protein diets do not. They uh, because you're neglecting, you know, eating. Usually, you're severely restricting the uh, carbohydrates and fats. Um, So, which are more important? And um, uh, so, you know, basically, a lot of uh, this this usually applies mainly to like people who are like bodybuilder type guys and um, you know really adamant about you know, worrying about losing gains and that sort of thing, um, losing muscle, but you don't need to eat as much protein as you think you do. And it's way healthier uh, for your endocrine system to, uh, you know, if you cut back on your protein, get those calories from, from, uh, carbohydrates and fats in general. So, um, carbohydrates are, uh, important to, uh, main, it's important in, in my opinion also to maintain this balance in general, but, uh, you you need to, especially if you're improving your insulin sensitivity. Um, you you know, having a if you're training, having a healthy level, a, a moderate level of uh, carbohydrates in your diet can really help you uh, keep that insulin sense, uh, stay insulin sensitive, mm-hmm. and um, it it helps. Uh, there's a hormone called GnRH, which is a, pre- a precursor to testosterone, and um, uh, that's only produced when. Uh, glucose, uh, d- depending on the amount of glucose in your body, so uh, you need a certain level of glucose uh, there to produce that that precursor.
0: Um, that's interesting, and it's getting a little bit complex now. So I think we should um, put a little more uh, explanation here about the insulin sensitivity and how important that is. And Mark did a good post on this recently on Mark Stanley Apple. But if you're a hardcore primal paleo low carb eater and you go for a long period of time without producing much insulin because you're not eating many carbs, um, it can actually compromise your insulin sensitivity a bit because you don't need to be very insulin sensitive. And that's where this concept of carb refeeding comes in that you might have heard about where uh, especially the, the devoted athletes like the CrossFitters that are pumping out a lot of energy um, will take a day a week or something and purposely overload. On the carb intake, and by slamming the body with a surprise dose of carbs, you will actually kick that insulin sensitivity back into back into action. So it sounds like with the tweaking of the diet for hormone optimization and testosterone, that you you know want to be careful that you're not going extreme, uh, which you mentioned earlier, and also that you get enough high nutrient value carbs so that the um, uh, the production of uh, the optimal, the adaptive hormones will proceed without interruption from extreme patterns.
1: Yeah. In general, extreme patterns aren't, uh, first off, they're not sustainable, you know? Um, but they're also just, you know, they, they could, I guess i never was really attracted to the idea of like, like tricks and that sort of thing. (laughs) And so, but a lot of people will go, there's a lot of stuff out there on on the internet and of like all these super extreme, um, micro things that you can do that will spike this or that or whatever but you know if you look at it if you take a step back and it's like over time if you uh have you know things can have a summative effect basically over time if you do the right things consistently even if you're not doing like as much as you could could do Mm -hmm. but if you do enough and you do um you know a sustainable amount of of the right things over time you're going to see the results that you're looking for and you build habits out of it so something that you can keep up
0: Okay, so make sure that your macronutrients are in balance. Um, let's re- let's recap those other wonderful tips, starting with just adopting a patient and a- an empowering mindset. And some of those things that really uh, stick with me, where you said you, you were in this self-defeating pattern of setting an ambitious goal and then dropping out and then beating yourself up over it. So with this thing, you know, your resolve to get better, oh my gosh, I imagine it carried over into... Uh, various other areas of life where you realize, you, you know, you could do, you could, you could realize your dreams.
1: Totally, totally. It, it was very empowering. Um, and then and you realize again, back to like the principle based behavior, you know, when, when you're basing uh, your goals and your pursuits on certain solid principles, you can, you can really, you know, you start to build the confidence in those principles and, and how they're, how you're able to operate on them. And, eventually you know you come to this point where you you're fully empowered and you feel like you can do anything and it's, it's great and i i want you know i would love everyone to be able to achieve that because the world would be a pretty awesome place if everyone could do everything that they wanted to you know like any dream they had or any goal they had
0: oh that's great chris so let's let's end with um you telling us a little bit about what you can find the resources you can find over at testshock.com that's your your website
1: yep okay so uh Yep, testshock.com. Uh, we have we have an awesome community of people. We've got um, it's it's a lot of guys who just want to increase uh, their testosterone naturally. They don't want to go the route of pharmaceuticals, and they want to take an education based approach. And that's really what what I valued when I was uh, you know taking this journey. And uh, testshock.com is the the resources that I wish I had uh, when I was trying to learn all this stuff and. Uh, there's also a, uh, you know, the test shock program itself. It's 374 pages. It's a physical book and it's free. Um, we just charge for the shipping so we can cover that shipping cost, but, um, free book. It's also over at testshock.com, Um, and, uh, you know, just mail it to your door and it's got a ton of advice in it. It's, a, uh, um, you know, helped a lot of guys over the last, uh, two years and, um, there's also, you know, you can just go subscribe to the blog. There's a ton of great info. We're putting out articles, uh, you know, about five days a week over there. Uh, just lots of good advice. So there's there's a ton of good info
0: over there. And, uh, you know, you can just dive in and pour through it. Learn as much as possible. Chris Walker, thank you so much for spending the time with us and detailing your incredible journey back to health. It's, it's really uh, a memorable story of just, you know, having the courage to to stake your own path and uh, even go against medical advice with a serious condition like that tumor and that extreme suppression of testosterone and awaken your health and then share the, the gift and the message with others. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really
1: appreciate you having me, Brad.
0: Thank you, listeners. Until next time, this is your host, Brad Kearns. Thanks for listening to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Are you someone who appreciates a fast, casual dining experience? Is it important that the taste of your food and the freshness of the ingredients take center stage? Well, bringing that experience to a table near you is the mission of the hottest new franchise concept in North America, Primal Kitchen Restaurants. If you want to learn more about this one-of-a-kind franchising opportunity, go to primalkitchenrestaurants.com. That's primalkitchenrestaurants.com.